Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Hello again, let's go, baby! We got four hours of action packed, like there will be literal fight scenes throughout the night here on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> I I was a white belt in karate in like fourth grade. For whatever that's worth. Graceffo, did you ever do karate? Tai Tai Bo, I, I don't think Tai Bo is actually a fight. Tai Chi, maybe. I don't know if that's fighting either. Uh, do you ever do karate or anything like that? Sure. Sure? What? What is sure? You did? Or you did? I mean, sure usually means yes, doesn't it? Well, yeah. So you did karate at one point. Yeah. Okay, how'd you do? Fine. Yeah. I was awful. I knew I was bad, and that was the thing. You see, people like they're getting the different colors around me, and I'm still wearing the white, and I'm like, all right, maybe this isn't for me. You know, like we had some demonstration. We were supposed to do a roll and then like do some fun karate thing. And I was going the wrong direction. Like it was, it was bad. <laughs> Isn't that just like one of those things that someone sends you to just to, to get them to leave you like an after school thing to get your parents to leave them alone? Uh, yeah, probably. I would figure that was part of the deal. They're like, yeah, you know, Vince is just playing video games all the time. Like literally all the time. That's all he's doing when he comes home is he plays video games. We got to get him out of the house and doing some sort of physical activity. So, yeah, I did karate for a little bit. And um, that will play into the fight scene, hour three. The The studio will be invaded. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a lot of different things we are going to get into tonight. May, maybe not fight scenes. But we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. Something we should absolutely talk about. Holy crap, did you see the game tonight? Holy moly. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm watching UCLA and Gonzaga, and it's halftime. You know, I'm driving in. I get in here, halftime, game's one point off. I go, oh, man, like, okay, okay, this is interesting. This is fun. This is exciting. For Gonzaga being a team that going into this, by the way, 30 and 0, 30 and 0, this just doesn't happen. Right? Like, this is such a rare thing. And when you think about what it means to have 30 straight wins in one season as a college basketball team, that is just absolutely remarkable. So, for Gonzaga being that good, they're not playing close games all the time. Generally, you're blowing people out. And here they are in the Final Four against UCLA, and you've got a game. And it's just constantly baskets getting traded. It it was just a well-played basketball game. And by the time you get to the end of regulation and it's getting close and there's a putback, like there's so many good moments within the game that led to overtime and ultimately as the clock is expiring in overtime, Jalen Suggs. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three 
closer to history. Call from the Westwood One Radio Network and just absolutely ridiculous. What a shot. I mean, I was sitting there. I I actually felt bad because I was sitting in a side studio here at CBS. And, you know, there's people that have actual work to do that are around me. And I'm watching the game and I see that shot go in and I just involuntarily, like I I had no control whatsoever. It was just, ah! (laughs) it was awesome. That's what you live for, right? Like I'm a millennial. Okay. I need that quick satisfaction injected into my veins. Like that's what this was. You get this just completely insane, incredibly awesome game winning shot from The it guy. I mean, Jalen Suggs is somebody that we're talking about as a freshman on this undefeated team being talked about as a top five pick. And for all of it to go the way that it did was just absolutely incredible. And by the way, here's Jalen Suggs after the game. I got as many dribbles as I can, you know, try to get as close as I could. He was actually like right under me. Um, I mean, I just put it up. I was fading away with it and dude, it went off the backboard and in and I don't know. I've always wanted to run up on the table and, you know, like Kobe and D-Wade and, and go like that. And, I mean, that's the first thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> he jumped right up. It was such an awesome thing. He hits the shot. The whole team's kind of following him. He goes to the side. He jumps up on the table. He's, like, pounding his chest and celebrating. Man, what a feeling that's got to be. I just can't imagine how cool it is. And you see him after the game as he's talking, and he's just the biggest smile you've ever seen in your life. Like, the guy is just loving everything about it. He's been an absolute star this tournament. And for him to hit that shot, to keep Gonzaga undefeated, and go to the finals, it's just awesome. It's an awesome story. And by the way, for Gonzaga, now that they're 31-0, and going for 32 and oh this hasn't happened where teams finished the season undefeated since 1976 we're talking 45 years we're talking bob knight is the last time that this actually happened how do you not root for that on some level you have to have some level of excitement and joy and bandwagoner Ship, I don't know what the word would be. Band, uh, there's a bandwagoner in me, all right? I'm riding the Oregon Trail. It is taking me to Gonzaga. I'm on the bandwagon all the way. How do you not root for this, right? It's, it's just such a great story. It's so incredibly fun to watch. And by the way, just a, a small aside here, credit to UCLA. What a run that they had. What a tournament for them. And looking at what they were able to accomplish along the way, I mean, This was no joke, okay? Consider this for UCLA. They were in the first four. They were the first four. They had to play in to get into the tournament. They weren't even like, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I was on the football team, and I was an offensive lineman. I was was fat. Uh, I was a nice little fat kid, so I played offensive line. I was a guard, and I had the number 50. There was another kid on the team with the number 50. We were both the worst offensive linemen on the team. (laughs) And we were just identified as one collective person. We were both 50. We didn't have names. (laughs) It was bad. (laughs) So that's kind of how UCLA goes into this tournament. I mean, they are the other number 11 seed. So you're playing Michigan State, which obviously the story, the history 
of Michigan State. So you're playing that program. They go and get the win. BYU is a six seed. Now that you're in, they get the win. Abilene Christian, fun little story with an upset. 14 seed, get the win there. Alabama, they take to overtime as a two seed. They beat Michigan as a really great one seed. And so for them to go as far as they did, where you're getting this undefeated Gonzaga team, and you're pushing them to the brink of overtime, I mean, what a year. Just what a year. And really for the tournament as a whole, this was the kind of thing that you want to see, right? This is the kind of representation that you're looking for. You go into a tournament every year. We all want the upsets. Not so much that it ruins our bracket, but you want the upsets. You want to see these teams that you never expected to win a game end up winning maybe two, maybe three, right? You get the Loyola Chicago's of the world, your Oral Roberts of the world, Abilene Christian, who I just mentioned. So when you're getting these, you know, 14 and 15 seeds and they're winning games in the tournament and you've got an 11 seed in the first four that's in the final four, I mean, that's amazing. And then when you see how it all shakes out where the finals are what they are now, which is Gonzaga on one side, which has been, again, undefeated. And on the other side, you have Baylor. And you're getting the two biggest, best programs in basketball over the last two years. In some way, this feels like some level of cosmic sports justice, doesn't it? When you don't have the tournament last year, for these teams to be as good as they were, to have the best records in college basketball over the best last two seasons, for these teams who were, by the way, I mean, again, just sweet, poetic, cosmic justice, these teams were supposed to play in December. And they didn't. They couldn't do it. COVID. So the game gets canceled. And think about this. The coaches get on the phone. Mark Few and Scott Drew are having a phone call. And they're like, hey, coach. You know, because they're always going to address each other as as coach as much as they possibly can, I would assume. Coach. Yeah, I just want to tell you, coach, uh, thinking that uh, coming up here, it's a shame we can't play, coach, but I want to let you know that I'm looking forward to playing you in the final four, coach. Seeing you in the finals, coach. Yeah, coach, let me tell you. You know, like, that was the kind of call that they had. And here they are. Here they are. Could this have worked out any better for the NCAA this year? I mean, to have a tournament where, you know, Duke isn't even in it, they're not even playing You've got fun stories like Jim Beheim and his son making some noise in the tournament. Like, there were a lot of really fun, great, interesting, exciting things that went on with this tournament. And to see that you get all the upsets, you get some of the fun stories, now you get an undefeated team playing the other best team in college basketball, this is as good as it gets. This are the kinds of things that the tournament is all about. To get a dramatic shot out of Gonzaga to get to this moment. It's just such an exciting thing. And it's crazy because as much as I say, and this is the the odd thing about it, I'm rooting for Gonzaga, right? Because they're undefeated right now. Suggs is a great story. Like, that is such an easy, rootable thing. But then after Baylor won the game, I was reading up a little bit on what's going on with Scott Drew. Oh, my God. I had no idea. When Scott Drew took over the program at Baylor, chaos, absolute and utter chaos. Something that is, I, there was a murder at Baylor 
where one player killed another, and the coach at Baylor at the time was trying to orchestrate a cover-up of the murder on some of the details for the sake of protecting his own reputation and violations and all these different things. That is a gargantuan, earth-shattering, ridiculous scandal. Scott Drew goes into the program. There he is, 2003. And he's been there this whole time. And you can look at the progression that Baylor's made over the years, where they have all these different sanctions, and you don't have access to players and resources. You're behind everybody, and you've got to build all of that back up. College basketball, that's not exactly how it goes, right? The story of college basketball is typically, hey, you find somebody, you spend a couple of years there, all right, you prove yourself a little bit, bam, second better offer comes, you're gone. He stays at Baylor, and there he is for 17 years, and he's just working away and working away, and you can see that progress. Okay, they're not in the tournament at all for a couple of years. Now they're in. Now they're out. Now they're back in. Now they're out. Now they're back in. Now they're getting a couple rounds deeper. And when you see that kind of progress that they make, what Scott Drew started with and how he stayed at that program and built it up to the point where here they are, where you can make the case that for the last two years – They've been the best team in college basketball. Like, that's an amazing story. And so you've got two incredibly good stories, rootable teams that are sitting here in the championship game. I mean, it's one of those situations where for somebody who doesn't have a team in the race, you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's part of the envy of this situation. I want to get to that in a second. But I look at this, and it's a no-lose scenario for the NCAA. I mean, this worked out as well as it possibly could have. It really did. And that's the thing is I look at this, and on some level, as much as I love all of it, on some level, I'm extremely jealous. I really am. Because let me tell you, college sports, for me, awful. Awful. (laughs) I I did not have the opportunity when I was in school to watch good sports. Wasn't there. Wasn't a part of the experience. I went to Fordham. Florida? No. Fordham. I went to Fordham. It's in the Bronx. You probably haven't heard of it because the teams aren't good. That's generally been the Fordham Rams experience. We had points where I was in college where... They didn't even make the NIT. They didn't qualify for the conference tournament every single year. It's like you can't be out of the, you know, you can't be in the top 10 of 13 teams. Like they were, they were just awful. Football was awful for the four years that I was there. Maybe it's my fault. I could very much believe that. But when you don't have that, that's one of the things that I think about as I sit here and I see Baylor and then being able to celebrate an absolutely dominant win to get to the finals, when you look at Gonzaga to have this big win to get back to the finals for the first time since 2017. And I can't imagine the kind of partying that's been going on, even for UCLA and Houston, as they've gone on this ride to get to the final four, that excitement, that energy, even for whatever restrictions you've got, being a college student and what that energy is like, I've just, I've never experienced that. And that's one of those things that, like, I picked my school. That was the choice I made. I picked a school knowing that it wasn't a great sports school. That was the choice that I made. I could have gone to, you know, based on my grades, I couldn't have exactly gone anywhere. But 
based on the place I could have gone to, me, locally, a lot of people in my area, for example, Penn State, big football school, everybody tailgating in the parking lot, wearing white T-shirts, whatever. Like, I could have done that stuff. I chose a place that didn't have it. And so, on some level, I just want to know what it's like. If you're somebody that's had the opportunity to be at college, as your team's gotten on some hot run in the tournament, as they've gotten to the Final Four, as they've won the national championship, like, what is that feeling like? What is it like when you get onto campus and suddenly... Everywhere you go, it's all people are talking about. Everybody's wearing the gear. The school pride is through the roof. I just want to know because it's one of those things that just seems so amazing. And every year when the tournament comes on, you see all these shots of, oh, well, here we are at the local bar over at this school, and here's all the people cheering. And, like, I've never had that. I saw the Eagles win the Super Bowl. So, for me, like, that was the bucket list of bucket list, and I'm good, right? But – this is a different kind of experience to be a college student, you know, to be at that age and have that kind of mania going on. What's it like? I just want to know what it was like for you. What kind of time was it? 855-212-4227. Also, if you want to talk about the games, what, what'd you think of the games tonight? Who are you rooting for in the finals? What'd you make of the tournament? 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. So I'm Vince Quinn. You can always get in on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. And when we come back, by the way, as much as we've been talking a little bit about college basketball, major news in the NBA, and we'll get to that on the other side. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. I need new music, man. I just need new music. And that's that's not to you, Graceffo, in the show. That's not kind because of, you, you stop for a second. You're like, wait, what? It's like, hey. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not trying to rip you at all. But I was just Good. thinking. Yeah, no. So I was thinking earlier today. Because I just get in these ruts where I listen to songs over and over again. You know, like, I'll literally listen to a song sometimes. If I'm really feeling it, I could listen to a song 20 times in a day and not hesitate. I really can. And I've gotten to a point now where there's almost, there's so much music that there's no music. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have so many options with all these different bands that it's hard to keep up with who everybody is. And I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Trying to find out new music is hard. I like to listen to new stuff. I like to see what it's about. I'm not one of those guys because, like, I'm in my 30s, so I don't want to be that guy of, like, the kids these days don't appreciate music. Like, it's all, it's different, but it's it's all the same, you know? So I don't try to be that guy. But keeping up with it is almost impossible. I've been in a serious rut. And so I actually started a playlist that is, and we'll see where this goes, Um Totally public playlist, okay? If you've got songs that you would like to recommend, I have a public playlist on Spotify. I pinned it to my Twitter profile, and it's called The People's Playlist. If you want to add some music to it, you, in your car, at home, at work, wherever you are, go for it, and let's see what happens. Let's get weird, because I need new music in the absolute worst way. But with that being said, uh, let's go to the NBA. Because 
big news in the East. Couple of things. First thing, Joel Embiid is back. Which, on a selfish level, great news. Just for me personally. I, I'm, I love the Sixers. So, I'm glad to see him back. The guy's a great player. MVP candidate. And the way he feeds off of people in that building is like something I've never seen in my life. I mean, it is really remarkable. And so, for Embiid to be back... And by the way, for the Sixers, they're still tied right now for the number one seed in the East, and they went 10 games without Embiid. Like, that's a big deal. Think of all the conversations that we're having about the Lakers right now and where that's going. And it's like, oh, my God, well, AD, he's, he's out, and LeBron is out, and this team is falling. And when you look up things about the Lakers, it's like, how far can they possibly fall for the amount of falling that they do? What does it do for their playoff odds? Like, everything about it is such a big-time question because you know they can't survive it. But the Sixers, as much as it looked like they were doomed, because previously when Embiid's been out, they've been a bad team, they looked really solid. I believe they went 7-3. and three without him in that 10-game stretch. So now he's back, and what do you know? He still looks good. I mean, he's a guy that's like 280 pounds and seven foot one or something. So it's going to take him a couple of games to get back into full MVP and bead shape. But 10 games off for a guy that big, hasn't played in like three weeks, 24 points, eight rebounds, two assists, three blocks. That's Embiid. They beat the Timberwolves 122 to 113. That's what they do. So you see a win like that. You see Embiid coming back. That's a big warning sign for the East. But here's where it really does get interesting is we got word from Steve Nash. Kevin Durant is going to be back. He's coming back really soon. He hasn't played since early February, mid-February. So he's been out for quite some time. We've only seen, apparently, in the, in the amount of time that James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant could all play together, they've played seven games. So we just don't know what it looks like on some level. They have a lot of work to do. They have a lot of things to figure out here. And so for them to get Durant back as the Sixers are just getting Embiid back, and both of these teams are the number one seeds in the East? Like, are you kidding me? This is great. This is exciting. You know, this is what it's all about. Because from the beginning of the season, it, it was, even before the James Harden trade, it was like, all right, what's Brooklyn going to do? Are they the powerhouse in the East? I told you. I mean, I came out. This was the first week of the season. The Nets had played maybe two or three games. And I was just like, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Kevin Durant looks like Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving seems fine. He's, you know, doing some weird things, but whatever. He's a good basketball player. So that's the best team in the East. I was fully convinced. Now, I don't know. I don't know. And that's not as much of a knock on the Nets as it is a compliment to the Sixers. And so trying to see these two teams battle it out and what that intensity level is going to be like as we get down this final stretch, like things are lining up in such a good way because you're getting these teams now, and this is the best scenario, right? You get back, you've got a long stretch of games 
to one, fight for that seed, but two, just build the chemistry. Figure out everything that you've got. For the Sixers, you added George Hill to trade deadline. For the Nets, you've got LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Again, Kyrie, Durant, Harden, they haven't played together all that much. So now you can start to figure all of those things out. Now we can see as these teams really start gearing up for the playoffs and finalizing rotations and what does this guy look with that guy? We're going to get a lot better look at these teams and really find out who they are. So what that's going to do, what that race is going to be is just, that's what basketball is all about. And it's awesome that these guys are, are going to be full strength in the next couple of days here. Durant could be back as soon as Monday. So really great thing to keep an eye on. Now, if you want to get in 855 212 4227, who do you think's the best team in the East? Is it that the Nets have had such an improvement? It, is Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, does that change things? Are they just big names? It's not a big deal. You're still going with the Sixers. What do you feel? Maybe the Bucks. I don't believe in the Bucks at all, by the way. I like the Bucks. I respect what they're doing. I just don't believe in it anymore. Playoff Giannis, I, I'm just out. So, 855 212 Four two two seven. Let's go to uh, Mark in Milwaukee. <laughs> What's going on, Mark? How you doing, my man? Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you too. Um, I was going. I'll get to UCLA Gonzaga in a minute. But I was just listening to you, you know, uh, spiel about the NBA. Um, I grew up. Uh, I'm 68. I was a Bucks fan since the inception. You know, loaded with UCLA player Kareem, Dave Myers, Marcus, but. You know, what is the NBA going to do, like the uh, uh, PR machine, the uh, people like that, uh, if, if, like, uh, LeBron doesn't come back? If the Lakers don't make the playoffs, are they going to cancel the TV? You know, it's because they have to play Utah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'd love to see Phoenix. Um, you know, what, what, what would happen, you know, to them if Brooklyn didn't make it to the finals and the Lakers didn't make it to the finals? And I, I agree with you. Milwaukee you know, as a superstar, but go south in the playoffs because, to me, the superstars in the NBA are not, you know, power forwards, which is, you can call him a guard, Giannis, but he's not, you know. To me, it's what they need in Milwaukee is a guy like a Damian Lillard that's going to give you 25, 30 nights in the backcourt. They don't have it. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'd like to see, and, you know, both are first-time, well, Steve Nash is a first-time coach, Doc Rivers, first year there. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, everything that, you know, the NBA, there's such a lack of parity and, you know, so many redheaded stepchildren in the NBA that it turns me off. Um, you know, what are they going to start doing, taking people like Giannis, voiding their contracts and make them go to the Lakers or Brooklyn or these superstars? But uh, enough of that, but I agree with you. But as far as the game tonight, the UCLA game, mm-hmm. I've been a UCLA fan, even though I grew up in Milwaukee, I was a Marquette fan, but... I don't think people, especially of a younger generation, the millennials, have any idea of what UCLA was about, that they won 10 national championships in 12 years. And I mean, I do. Um, I was aware. I saw him play in the Milwaukee Classic. I saw him play at Pauley. And I don't think there'll ever be anything equal to it. And that game tonight, like the first time Kareem and Elvin Hayes hooked up in the Astrodome, the game that I will never forget. They both played phenomenal. Um, I'm wondering, you know, if uh, Gonzaga wins, does Mark Hughes stay there? Does he pull a Porter Mosier? Does he move on? And, you know, now that there's a Carolina vacancy, when I think of alums, I'm thinking maybe like a Jerry Stackhouse, a Vince Carter, possibly. 
Kenny the Jet as a coach, but a lot of interesting stuff going on, and I uh, yeah. really, really appreciate your show. And, Mark, I appreciate the call. Yeah, for the North Carolina job, I mean, they can get anybody they want. So it's a question of how they want to handle it, right? One of the things, one of the questions that's being thrown around right now is like, well, you know, should Roy Williams pick the successor? Does he have a thought on who the successor should be? I bet he's got some thoughts for sure. But you're also going to have the athletic department and the boosters and whatever money's going into it and who they want to see as well. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But long story short, they can get whoever they want. For Mark Few, it's going to be up to, I mean, $1. That's how it is for all these guys. It is what it is. And two, it's how comfortable he is with the program. Guy that was thrown around for North Carolina's job. By the way, Jay Wright, Villanova, no interest. He doesn't want to go. Why? He's been a Villanova forever. He built that program. His house is there. His family's there. He knows everybody in the building. They respect him. Why change? You know? So if you've built it up and you're living well, at some point, the money isn't worth it, but there's very few people in that spot. So how it all shakes out, um, we'll have to keep an eye, especially with that UNC job. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball's back. Baseball is back. And it came back in the best way because you got fans in the building, right? It's just nice to look around to watch games. Like, for example, as I'm sitting here in the studio, they got a couple of TVs across the room and showing highlights of all the different games that are going on. Um, And I see fans in the stands. I see people catching home runs and high-fiving each other and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's nice to see. For baseball especially, like, that is, as much as the environment of being in a football game and how riled up you get, like, that experience is pretty great. But, man, I am just so desperate to sit around outside and drink a couple of beers and not do anything. Like, I'll tell you, I was driving around, what was it? Uh, was it today? God, it's such a blur. Yeah, today. Um I was blaring summertime from Will Smith. Like, I, I'm skipping the spring. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to live my best life. I want to wear sandals every day. I want to wear sunglasses and, like, ugly straw hats that I have no business wearing. Like, I just want to live that life, you know? And to see people out and about and going to games already. And if you've gone to one of those games already, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you got tickets to go soon, I'd love to hear from you. 855-212-4227. But... Man, I mean, it's great that baseball's going, and more importantly, the Houston Astros are getting a warm reception. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much their whole experience. Uh, They're just getting booed all the time. They've been playing in Oakland, their opening series, and A's fans are just ripping them to shreds. Now, the Astros are ripping the A's to shreds, and that's a whole different story. You know, the Astros, as much as people hate them, they are a damn good baseball team. <laughs> so you have to give them credit where it's due. But, man, to see people come out in full force, ready to go against the Astros, is awesome. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the kind of, when I open the show, talking about the NCAA tournament, cosmic justice and all that kind of stuff, where you have Gonzaga, you have Baylor, the two best teams over the course of the last two years, 
And here they are meeting up in the finals. Well, for sports fans to show up at the beginning of the baseball season this year, and what do you know, they're ready to go, and they've got their signs out, and the Astros are cheaters, and people are going to be dressed as trash cans. Like, the thing is, you know, that on some level, you know it's going to just be completely ridiculous and out of control. Like, it's going to be a sideshow unto itself. The same way when it's, well, like college college game day, I guess it is, where they have all the signs. You know, like that becomes an event in itself. And you got to figure as the Astros continue to go from city to city, the people who plan, oh, well, the Astros are coming to town in a couple of weeks. Let me uh, get a trash can and take a saw to the bottom of it. And, you know, like people are going to start doing ridiculous things just to, I mean, on some level trash the Astros, but also just to be Instagram famous. That's all people want these days, right? So, you know, there's going to be some of that too. And to see that happen already with the Astros, I, I'm in for it. They deserve it. They talked a lot of mean game after the fact that they got caught. And so for them to have no remorse, not just like a player or two, but as an organization, I look at that and go, yeah, there should be hell to pay and there is going to be. So on top of the bean balls and players generally not liking them, you're going to be hearing it from the fans all season long. And they deserve every single bit of that. So if you want to talk about the Astros and where that's going this year, maybe you've got a sign. Like, maybe you're ready to go and, and boo the Astros. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn, by the way. You can always join the show on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. And that's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn. But also, and, uh, you know, I kind of slipped it in there so smooth as we were talking a little new element to the show. We have a soundboard. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use it. Let me let me promise to you, my good people, that I will be very responsible and I'll be very professional in the way that I use this soundboard every single week. Okay, maybe not. But soundboards are fun. Grisef, I don't know if Graceffo is excited about the soundboard. He's like, oh, my God, this idiot's got a soundboard now. And the show's totally going to go off the rails. Well, you know, I just feel marginalized in another way now, and that's fine. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's, it's, it's where this business is going. You know, you, just, you know, you marginalize the little guy, and, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. Well, no. You know, I, a, a, I machine, would... a machine can do my job now. That's fine. I'll just work the other machine, and, you know, we can, and I can go home. Well, my job's going to be gone soon enough anyway. For what it's worth. Is like going to be a robot talking uh, sports? Yes. What, well, here's what's going to happen. In, in 10 years from now, I will be gone. I will not be hosting shows anymore. There will be no more sports talk radio hosts. What you will have is one of those machines where, you know, you type stuff in, and then it goes like, I took the ball from the guy at the park. Like, it's those weird robot things. So you're just going to have one of those that's just auto-reading tweets for four hours at a time, and then they get a robot with a different voice to read tweets for four hours at a time, and that's where it's going to go. That's who I'm going to get replaced by. What's wrong with you people? Exactly! But that's where it's going. For now, though, with the soundboard, Graceffo, this is your soundboard as well. Like, you got if you got stuff you want to add to it, let's add to it. You know, like, I'm up for anything with this. I feel like this is something I can trust you with. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a very responsible adult. <laughs> I'm going to play that all the time. There's so much dumb stuff on here. That's, oh, my God. I already hate that one. 
I, yeah, that's what you need at 3 a.m. Uh, that's that's what everybody wants at 3 a.m. Just a little. <laughs> I mean, you have to play it again. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I'm going to play that a bunch uh, in part because I hate it. But, the, yeah. So I got to figure out some things to add. Like right now, it, it's just a very simple addition because I just wanted to one, I wanted to see if it works. You know, I had to kind of rig some things in the studio when I got into that to make sure. Your sure management is thrilled to hear that. Uh, they, yeah, no, you they, just took a jackhammer to a microphone. Yeah, they, they don't need to worry about it. I was an engineer in a past life, so it's uh, it's not a big deal. Big but, fat failure. Yeah, uh, well, I, I might have failed at that. Who knows? No, uh, that, I had to do it to get into this job, but that, that's what you do, and it is what it is. And now, because I have this job, and I did reprogram the studio a little bit, I can do things like this. See, that's that's what you train for. That's the dream. And I can do things like this. You're a clown. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, a clown. Yeah, it's accurate. So I got to. In fact, I am a clown. So I got to figure out. What, I got to. I got to figure out what to add to this. But we'll figure it out as we go. So I'm open to sound bites. If you've got sound bites that you think are funny, that you, you'd like to see suggestions of what you want to hear on the soundboard, just hit me on Twitter. Like, that's, shoot me a link or whatever. Yes. At It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word. At It's Vince Quinn. Because I've got other stuff on here. Like, I've got a drum roll. The drum roll, though, here's the thing. Drum roll's going. Still going. It's a long drum roll. We can shorten the drum roll. Yeah, I got to shorten the drum roll a little bit. That's the thing, too. It's complicated because I've got all this editing software at home, so I'm going to have to, like, cut some... Oh, this is good. We need this. We're going to talk about this literally in an hour. I want to get to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I can't. Oh, you spoiled it. I I ruined it. It's... What is uh, bad radio show hosting for 500, Alex? You spoiled what we were going to talk about. Yeah, I know. Now, it's a tease. See, now management will like that as much as they don't like me rearranging things in the studio so I can play dumb sounds like this. But I, <laughs> I, they do like a good tease. So in an hour from now on this fine program, this very station, we will talk about Aaron Rodgers, Jeopardy host. And... I do love it, by the way, but we'll get more into that later. Something I did want to get to right now with baseball, on top of the Astros getting booed, which I think is great and amazing and needs to happen all throughout the season. Um, How did Major League Baseball, the day before the season, how did they start to come up and finalize rules the day before? The day before! They decided the day before the season... That they weren't going to have a DH in the NL. What are we doing here? How does it take that long to make that kind of decision official? Like, what are you dragging out? There's some stuff. Okay, Vince. Hey, 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 Vince. You got to relax. You're being too mean to baseball. Baseball, they've got all sorts of negotiating that they've got going on. New labor agreement is coming up. So a little posturing and whatever. Okay, you can do that stuff. But you got to tell people a more than a day before the start of the season, whether or not there's going to be a DH. That matters. As you're making final roster cuts, you know, maybe that would be a good time so people can actually build their rosters accordingly and not go, oh, well, we might have a DH, so who knows? Let's keep this guy instead. Like, that is not a responsible way to conduct things as a league. You're a league. Like, the rules of the game matter. Awareness for all of the teams of those rules matters. And to not have it until the day before that you're telling teams whether or not there's a DH 
is a joke. It's a joke. The other thing is, too, they decided that they're going to have the 10-inning rule, and that's in effect now. So throughout the baseball season, and I guess as of now, till the end of time, um, baseball is going to have a runner on second base when you hit the 10th inning. Now we know. <laughs> it took a while. And we had a feeling it would happen. But now we know. I'll say this. I love the rule. I think the rule's great. Because the problem is I've been to an extra innings game. It can be awful. It really can. I got to tell you, like I've been to extra innings games where I've sat there and I feel like I'm trapped. Because you're like, well, I, I mean, I, I paid for the ticket. And I'm already here, but then it's like the ninth inning just wrapped. Game started at 7. Now it's 11, and you're going into the 10th, and you're like, okay, well, I've been here for all day. I mean, I might as well keep going. And then you get to the 12th, and you're like, well, any minute now. And you just agonize. You just you sit there, and you're like, at some point, you just want to go home. It's like, guys, there's 162 of these. Can't we just wrap it up? Can't can't somebody just hit the ball out of the park so I can just go home? I've just I'm too deep in it now to leave. So I've hated that about baseball. Yeah, can the occasional 18th inning win be really cool? It can, but does it make sense? Is it worth it? Is it exciting enough when you can make all of your extra innings games a little more exciting with that man on second? I think it's a great rule. I'm glad they kept it and. I think as the season goes on, people will adjust and they'll just get used to it. So 855-212-4227 if you want to talk about it. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. We finally got the Space Jam 2 trailer. We finally got it. People, I know, here's the thing too. This is the sick and twisted thing about sports fandom is I know that there are people who have just been dying. Like from the moment it was announced that LeBron James was going to do a movie that was a sequel to a Michael Jordan film, they were just going to wait to crush it. God forbid, you know, how could it live up to the great expectations of Space Jam? And like for me, I was a kid when Space Jam came out. Okay, I lived it like I had a Space Jam blanket on my bed as a five year old. You know what I mean? Like. That's pretty much where I was in the whole Space Jam landscape, okay? I had some of the toys and whatever. Like, I was in. I was in. And to see it now and see it with LeBron James and what the trailer looked like, I'll say this. It looks like a totally solid kids movie, right? It looks, it's got silly jokes, like... They got Yosemite Sam there. Oh, you varmin! You know, he's like shooting the, he's literally shooting guns at the basketball. It's like, it's a dumb joke. And like, hey, Yosemite Sam, shoot the ball. And there he is. It's stupid, but it's funny. It's a cartoon. It's Looney Tunes. You know, people come out with these ridiculous expectations that a kid's movie is suddenly going to be like movie of the year. Yeah, oh, let's give the Academy Award to Space Jam. Like, that's not what this is, okay? It's a big-budget comedy sports crossover. You want to get a bunch of kids in the building. You want it to be at least a good movie, not an awful movie. And as long as they can accomplish that, it's a hit. That's all it needs to be. It looks like they're on track for that. So... 
is it different? This was the funniest thing that I saw about it, by the way. Because the first movie, if you ever saw Space Jam, the first Space Jam is these monsters from Moron Mountain, I believe is what the, the planet's called. Which I don't know. Whatever. So hey, these monsters show up and like basically they say, hey, Michael Jordan, if you lose this basketball game, you have to be like a sideshow at our stupid amusement park for the rest of your life. And he's like, well, that's dumb. I guess I'll beat you in basketball. And that's what he does. So some people, given that premise for the first movie, were like, wait, they're not continuing the universe from the first movie? (laughs) They were also going to hold all of the Looney Tunes hostage, and then Jordan stepped up and said... You can take me. Yeah, okay. As a, real te- as a true teammate that he was. See, there, yeah, a very not selfish, selfless Michael Jordan putting himself in front to take the fall. So you, you love to see it. You weren't disappointed that there will be no, mo- it doesn't seem like there will be any monsters at all in the movie. You weren't disappointed at well, all. Well, there are other, like, monsters, aren't they? I yeah. Mean, what are I, those I, people, I, though? These are all, again, these are all, uh, Things in the Warner universe that they now obtain because they bought every every company in the world. Well, yeah, that was yeah. the funny so thing. So now these the, all these other cartoon characters who have no business being <laughs> surrounded by Space Jam are in the crowd for the game, the ultimate game with LeBron and whoever they're like the Don Cheadle has assembled this army that. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to kidnap LeBron's son. It was so funny that the way it came about because it's like, I, yeah, they have LeBron at a like whiteboard. The Flintstones are there. Yeah, the Flintstones came through, and he's and on the whiteboard, he wrote King Kong on the whiteboard. So I'm like, wait, you've got the Iron Giant. Yeah, the Iron Giant's just strolling down the street. It was like, wait, where did Superman. he come from? Superman's? He's yeah, in it. Yeah, I, no, he, Superman is one of the names he had on the board. Oh, okay. Wow, that's. Because yeah, Warner owns all these things, yeah, so, so getting the, all of them in the movie. At the very least, they're promoting them by dropping them in there. Because I was like, wait, okay, if King Kong is on the board and he might be on the team, King Kong's fighting Godzilla right now. Like, that's the movie. Right, King Kong might be busy. So, it well, it, either he's busy or, you know, maybe at the end of the movie it turns out that King Kong and Godzilla just never talked out their frustrated feelings about each other. They get it on, and now they're ready or, to be a pair. Like, I don't what people were expecting were they expecting a carbon copy of the first movie so uh, where like some five, people were five yes. NBA players get their talent stolen and lebron helps them that's exactly what some people want they and and they would hate that because they, jordan did yeah it. exactly so we're just we're, we're gonna cook up something that everyone's gonna hate anyway so what so why are we wasting our time yeah for for some people it's to some degree the second they set out to make this movie it was destined to fail for some people you know they, they just don't want to see it work because of the Jordan love, because of LeBron hate, whatever. People are just looking at it like that, which is so silly and ridiculous. It's a children's movie. Like, we're talking about a movie for kids. First one had a great soundtrack, though. Oh, well, it did, and we play half of the songs on the show Some of them, the not Yeah, we play a couple of them. So, we, we maybe, we should, well, I don't know if you can work in our Kelly stuff these days. but Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. But I did but have, still, I believe great I can soundtrack. fly. Oh, that song was now, great. Now, the, the second one. Not going to compare. Well, the soundtrack. Yeah, I don't know what you do for the soundtrack. That's going to be a big question for it. 
But I saw the trailer and I was like, you know, this looks fine. Like I could watch this movie. It is could... weird that there are no other NBA players in this movie, though. It doesn't seem like. I remember reading something that was basically to the degree of, well, he was asking other NBA players, and they really didn't want to be in That's it. That's right. I forgot. About right? That. How weird is that? They're like, no, nah, we're good. I mean, the guy is like the voice of his generation for NBA players. He does all this charity work. He's he's revolutionized contracts where he's getting them like every other year. He's maxing out money, and he's got all this leverage all the time, and he's building his own rosters and winning titles. Like, the guy's a certified legend in a lot of different ways, whether you like him or not. And for other NBA players to have him do all of that and be like, hey, by the way, I'm making a blockbuster movie. You want to come along for the ride? And they're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Filming a movie's hard work, Vince, as you know. <laughs> well, it it can er, be early ca- early early calls and such. Well, yeah, and some players Bugs can't can act a little angry like, on set at all. Uh, I, I, there's plenty of players that have no business being in front of a camera. But the amount of money that you're gonna make for being along for the ride, like that movie's gonna make a killing, and your value as an NBA player and just marketing the movie, whether you suck as an actor or not. That's a lot of money in your pocket. Like, I'm just surprised that it isn't full of NBA players. Like, really? At the very least, you'd think it was like the Banana Boat crew, right? So, like, it's LeBron James, Carmelo, Chris Paul, and those guys, uh, D. Wade. Th- those guys are all hanging yeah, I mean, out. We don't know this for sure yet. They're, they're, they might be hiding something. Maybe. There's, there's got to be some level of other celebrity cameos and whatnot. It can't just be like, oh, well, here's the Iron Giant strolling down the street. No, every <laughs> you know, cartoon like... character that the Warner Universe owns, those are the cameos. Yeah. Here comes Dino and Fred <laughs> Flintstone. Which is funny, too, because one of the problems with cartoons these days is, like, they get all these old brands and they try to, like, rehash them. But I don't know. I don't think any kids care about the Flintstones. Right? Like, do they do they really care about the Flintstones? Is that what they're tell, into? I don't know. I couldn't tell. I don't think so. I don't see them anywhere. You know? It just feels like they always try to bring that kind of stuff back. Even the Looney Tunes, to some degree, they try to bring them back. But it's like, it, it, it's just a different generation. They got different shows that they're hooked on to. Different things blow up in the mainstream. The toys, whatever. Games of it. It's it just, it's a hard thing to do. But I'll give it a shot. I'll give the movie a shot. Again, it's an hour and... 45 minutes of your life. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be on in your house if you have. Most HBO likely, Max. yeah. I like, uh, I'll sit at home. I'll stream it. I'll live my life. I'll be okay. You know, but so many people, they just want to be upset about it. Oh, my God. Michael Jordan would never. Oh, my God. How yeah, did no, they Michael get Jordan rid of Moron the, Mountain? Michael Jordan only used the movies to the movie to take shots at Jerry Krause. But, you know, he would never <laughs> get involved with Fred Flintstone. Michael Jordan was taking secret shots at Jerry Krause in the movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, do we not know? Like, that's what he was when you know he was talking to the Wayne Knight as his publicist. Like, he was like talking. All the all the lines were shots at Jerry Krause. Like, I mean, Michael would never. I mean, never ever do that. No, no, he's never had a grudge. He's never had a grudge. Nah, with never anybody. had. Never had. Greatest guy in the world. You know, punching <laughs> teammates on the court in practice. Great guy. Uh, Calling people the worst names in the world, but they're, they're his teammates. Yep. Like, you know, you got to get to my level, so I'm going to call you like the worst names that someone can call somebody. Yep. Legend. Uh. <laughs> legend, man. Legend. Hocked every product he could. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's a legend. You yeah. know, it's 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 funny. No one how it worked works. harder than Michael Jordan. No, no one. Well, that's all it comes down to for people, right? No one worked harder.
Nobody came back to try to be better the next season, except Michael Jordan. Yeah. Know that. He's the only one. The only one. <laughs> Nobody tried to put on weight in an offseason after, you know, losing in a playoff series. Yeah. So, should I, uh, I'm, I'm getting a sense for Christmas next year, Jordan jersey? No. No. <laughs> no. Not for you. <laughs> I'm just checking. I'm just checking. But, yeah, the the pizza at, in Utah, you know. Oh, they contaminated the pizza. Totally believable. If LeBron gets sick from eating pizza in Space Jam 2, (laughs) that's going to be the funny thing, too. It's going to be reading, what was LeBron trying to say in this scene with Foghorn Leghorn? (laughs) Is LeBron trying to recruit Steph Curry by talking to Yosemite Sam in a certain way? The intrigue. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, well, let's see. Uh, looking at the team here, well, they got the Animaniacs on a buyout, so really good move by them. <laughs> Real game changer for the Toon Squad. you love to see it. Uh, it's going to be so ridiculous. Like, they need I'm, Gossamer as a rim protector. <laughs> I'm going to love it. I, I really am. Like, all of the dumb insanity it's going to go on with Space Jam 2 is going to be great. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. It's going to be fun. I might, it might turn into spite my favorite movie by the time it comes out. Like that's, I think that's where it's going. But we'll see. Uh, oh, by the way, your brackets may have been busted, but Baylor and Gonzaga have successfully followed the right direction on the road to the Final Four, which is they didn't mess with a Michael Jordan property and make a sequel. Now... Now, tomorrow night on CBS, one game to find out who will cut down the nets and call themselves a champion. The NCAA Men's Basketball Championships off, tips off with the Capital One Championship Central at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, followed by tip-off between Baylor and Gonzaga at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, tomorrow on CBS. We go to Mark in Houston. Mark, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Um, I heard you talking about your collegiate experiences at Fordham. Yes. And, uh, I was actually asleep when I heard it. I had the radio turned on, and I woke up because I went to the University of Michigan when the Fab Five originally came. Oh, so, man. Yeah. So that was a great time. I, I, I'm from Texas, lived in Texas all my life, um, Michigan had always been on my radar, uh, but uh, they won. You know, we won the national championship against Seton Hall the very year before I attended. So then I went. We got blown out by Loyola Merriman, I believe. That's the team where Hank Gathers passed away oh, during the yeah. season. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then the soft, my sophomore year, we were good in my freshman year, but my sophomore year, we, we stunk it up. We were horrible. And then I remember spring of the spring semester of my sophomore year, uh, you know, I, yeah, I knew all the McDonald's All-Americans and whatnot. And they knew of Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, and Jawan Howard, and all the other guys. Uh, I can't remember. There was a guy that went to Purdue, Glenn Robinson, I believe. And so, because I remember watching the game. Yeah. And in the spring, I think it was Juwan Howard was first to commit. And and you got to be a little quick here, Mark. I got a hard break in like 40 seconds. 
Okay, uh, <laughs> just saying it was a just just saying it was a memorable experience. It sucked because we got blown out by Duke and we lost North Carolina with the infamous timeout. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. Man, I'll never forget it. Yeah, being there with the Fab Five must have been insane. And Mark, I appreciate it, man. Like that was a cultural revolution. You know, like those guys were. I mean, just a, a major firestorm and, it, and a great story. And so to be there then, that's that's incredible. And, yeah, that, this all comes from the idea of watching the NCAA tournament and watching the Final Four and going like, man, I never witnessed anything like that as a sports fan in terms of riding that kind of wave of being in college and having a good team. Football team, awful. Basketball team, awful. The, we had a kid that flipped over, like literally flipped over a catcher on the way to home, that was pretty cool. But other than that, uh, that was it. So some people have been calling in with their experiences of what it was like to be a fan of a team while they made a tournament run. 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. There were some absolutely awful April Fool's jokes that went down in the world of sports. One of them's just downright sad. We're going to get to that in just a minute. I'm Vince Quinn with you, by the way, here on CBS Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket Ken. So, We've covered a lot of things so far. Going through, I mean, just the craziest, greatest game in the Final Four with UCLA and Gonzaga. Just an awesome, awesome game. Great final shot. Talking a little bit about baseball as it comes back. But I do want to get to a different side of the NCAA in a minute here. And a major story with them that's been going on throughout the week. But these April Fool's things, because it comes around every year. And I kind of know it's coming, but you you don't really, like, I have a hard time keeping track of days, okay? Because for me, generally, I'm working in some degree. Like, I don't have a weekend. I don't have, even though I work on weekends, some people that work on weekends, okay, well, I have Mondays and Tuesdays. That's my weekend, for example. Like, I don't have that. You know, I have a hard time. I, I, I work in some capacity seven days a week. That's just where I am. I'm okay with it. I'm not complaining, but it's hard to keep track of time. So I get to points where it sneaks up on me with April Fool's Day. And I'll tell you, the first thing that I saw did get me because I just, I didn't realize what day it was. I saw Michael Strahan with the gap in his teeth filled, and I just bought it. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I always take notes for the show. An easy way for me to do it is I, I read a lot of stuff on my phone. I take screenshots. So, bam, I just, here, here's a clip of the article. I've got it in my phone. I can go back and look at it later. And I saved it. The picture of Strahan with his gap closed. And I went, wow, Michael Strahan closed his gap. Didn't see that coming. Like, it just, <laughs> he got that one past me. Credit to Michael Strahan. 
Totally solid April Fool's joke. Simple, harmless, funny. You know, you get a lot of stuff that's people they come out and they go like, oh, like they're a fake Adam Schefter account, like the 5,000th fake Adam Schefter account. And who knows what they change? The the D is a B or whatever. They they do something to mess with you and, and make you think it's a real account. And then they announce trades that aren't happening or somebody got fired that didn't. So you get all sorts of chaos with April Fool's Day. A couple of other things that came out outside of the Strahan thing. Some of them harmless and goofy and you kind of knew. Like Tom Brady comes out and goes, hey, well, we're bringing back the Expos. It's like, all right, this is April Fool's. Like I, I officially know it's April Fool's Day. Uh, nothing is getting past me anymore. Then you get George Kittle, who decided that he was going to tell people he got traded to the Jaguars, which is pretty funny. I like that. That's a that's a pretty good move by him. And here's the last one. I like really this one is it's sad. I really I feel for the guy. Todd Gurley puts out a tweet on April Fool's Day, going. Hey, now to my new team soon. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, free agency's going on. Yeah, okay. Let's see who signed Todd Gurley. This is good. Like, I, I, I'm happy for him. Glad he's finding a team. Nope. April Fools, guys. Not a great April Fools joke. To- <laughs> hey, everybody. I've got a job in the NFL. April Fools. I don't like. It's just. Mm, it's sad, man. I mean, what was it? Two years ago. That guy was like, is Todd Gurley the MVP of the NFL? The Rams are in the Super Bowl. Like, he was a huge deal at 26 years old, something like that. Like, he is not old. He is not washed up. But he's tweeting out April Fool's Day jokes of like, hey, uh, I'm saying, by the way, I'm not signed. Haha. Uh-huh. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how funny it is, but sure. Um, so I saw that and I was like, Ooh, this is, mm, this is not great. I haven't done an April fool's joke in forever in any serious capacity. I, does anybody still do that? Or is it like just an online thing anymore? Like, unless you're doing it for TikTok or something, I don't know if like, do you, are you committing pranks all the time? Graceffo? Uh, no, no. Do you know that we get the email every year on April fool's day from management to not, uh, do any jokes on the air? Yes, as somebody who very studiously reads the company emails, I do it every day. It's a very serious thing here. Every day. April Fool's Day, don't say anything on the air that could be construed as news that you say, April Fool's, don't do it. Yeah, it is annoying that you have that kind of restriction. You know, because I would love to do... I'm fine with it. It's one less bit to plan or do. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, but I like dumb bits. You know, like, I've wanted to do all sorts of stupid stuff on this show, and I feel like for all sorts of reasons, I can't do it. So that does, it annoys me. And I would like the freedom to say ridiculous things as long as, you know, I mean, there's lines, so I get it. But I want to screw around a little bit. I want to have fun on here. I'm a wacky guy, you know? That's what I like to do. So anyway, I'll add more to the soundboard, and that's how I'll get it out of my system. But with April Fool's Day coming and going, I just didn't, it was one of those things where as a kid, I used to be like, oh, my God. I put some yellow dye in the shampoo. I'm so bad. You know, like I used to think it was such a big deal. I just, now it's a headache. Now it's just like, oh my God, what dumb tweets am I going to get today? You know, what what dumb stuff are people trying to pull? And uh, April Fool's Day kind of sucks now, which is a shame. But 855-212-4227 is how you get in. If you're still committing pranks, why not? 
I would love to hear from you. Are you actually committing pranks on April Fool's Day? Are they good pranks? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to call in and go, yeah, uh, Dave Vince, great show. Um, I'm committing all sorts of dumb pranks. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, but who knows? 855-212-4227. You can also hop in on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. I do want to get to the NCAA a little bit here because as much as we've got the tournament going on and getting to the final four, the the games were great. Well, one of them was great and one was a blowout, but getting what we've got now, the tournament, there's a lot of good stuff there. It's helped the NCAA kind of bury at least muddle a little bit of the news with a far bigger story, right? Because the biggest story of this week is not uh, oddly enough, Gonzaga that now 31-0 and 0 going into the finals here for the first time since 1976. It's the first time we're seeing this. 45 years. They could be the first team that's fully undefeated in 45 years. The bigger story is a Supreme Court case and what's going to happen with the state of paying players in the NCAA. Because here's the thing. Their arguments are awful. They're bad arguments for not paying players. They're like, well, it's amateurism. People love amateurism. Really? I I don't know what geeks you up about sports, but when I get the time where I watch a good game, because like tonight, hey, Jalen Suggs, you know, great shot, great moment. You know what, Griseffo, can you get that clip? Can you, can you pull it up? Yeah, I'll give you a second there. But I, I, would, love to, I would love to experience the moment of Jalen Suggs hitting that shot because, I mean, it's a crazy game. It's in overtime. The drama is real. Like, UCLA's an 11 seed. They're fighting like crazy. And then, what do you know? Jalen Suggs. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to stand Gonzaga one step closer to history. Just a completely ridiculous, amazing, and fun moment. And you know what really made it great is, I mean, Gonzaga, yeah, they're undefeated, but it's really great that they're not getting paid. You know, that like, it, I really love that he wasn't getting paid when he made that shot. I love it. I mean, God forbid, if, if they make shirts. You know, they're selling Jalen Suggs jerseys. I love that he's not going to make a penny off of that. Isn't it great? Isn't it great that he's not going to make a cent off of his shot that sends his team to the finals? What if they win the finals? I mean, oh, my God. I'm so excited to see his bank account not get any bigger. I'm, I am couldn't be happier for him. Because, you know, if he was making money, I don't think I could enjoy the shot. I really, it'd be hard. It'd be hard for me to get excited for somebody that's getting paid. Straight cash, homie. Yeah, no, that's what he should want, and that's what he should get, right? Like, oh, Jalen Suggs, he's going to go pro, and he'll get paid then. Yeah, he's basically pro now. Like, when you are in a major program in the NCAA, and you're getting games on ESPN, and you're in the tournament, like, you're a professional. You're a professional. And so, to make these arguments, which one of their arguments for this was it's not just the totally ludicrous, well, people really enjoy that they're amateurs and they're not getting paid. Like, that is that actually hurts the NCAA. Like, it's sometimes it hurts me to watch because I'll feel like, man, these kids should be getting paid. You know, that it bugs me on some level. But 
the other thing is they're making that argument for amateurism, and this was pointed out in the Supreme Court. Well, if you're talking about amateurism, it's so great to, to not pay the players, and that's what people are into. Uh, how do you explain the coaches? Because I'll see Nick Saban. What's he doing? Aflac commercials, right? Like he's he's got a mansion that's paid for by boosters. You know, he's he's got the massive salary. He could leave to go to another school if he wants. No restriction. Doesn't matter. He's got the advertising deals. He's got everything going on. That's an amateur coach. Where's the control? I don't know if I can enjoy Nick Saban's coaching if he's getting paid. It's hard. It's hard for me to support him being such a great coach if he's making money off of it. Right, right? Like, it's a ridiculous thing to say. But that's on some level the incongruity of the argument. Like, you need to be on a level playing field here. If it's all about amateurism, then it's all about amateurism. You're not paying all these coaches millions and millions of dollars and the kids nothing. So what is it? Right? Like, those are the kinds of things they're fighting up against. So you look at this with the NCAA. They don't have a good argument. And so it feels likely, based on how all those things that I read about the court case were going, it doesn't look good. And in a way, it looks great. So maybe we'll see these kids start to get paid. And they'll have all these opportunities now where, you know, they're just making what they're worth. And we'll have to figure out a lot of things along the way. Is it going to be complicated? Yes. Is it going to be easy? No. It Could it take a couple of years to figure it all out? Undoubtedly. But it's the right thing. And that's what matters, right? Like, that's the big thing here. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with one thing. When the ladder to cut down the net is sponsored, uh, you can give the kids some cash. Yeah. That's all I'll say. That's, that is a great point. Because it is every year, forever. It's a, Here comes the ladder, sturdy built. You know? Here comes the Werner ladder. And then the paragraph-long Werner ladder read. Again, if you can sponsor the ladder and sponsor overtime, and sponsor the tip-off, and sponsor everything in sight, you can pay the kid a little bit. Add more spo- And you can add more sponsorships, too. God forbid. Or, you know, maybe you pay the coaches just a little bit less. Or, you know what? Don't sponsor anything. Don't charge billions of dollars for your product to air on CBS and Turner. Yeah. If it's all amateurism, and that's the cloak that you want to hide under... Don't charge a billion dollars for your television product. Yeah, they're just amateurs. I mean, hey, it's the same as me and you playing basketball. We're amateurs. Right, I'm not a professional in any way. No. I, I, I'm not a professional in any way either, I would say. <laughs> you know. And, I, and when the G League comes for them and comes for the players that they refuse to pay, they'll see very quickly that amateurism, not the way to go. Yeah, and that's the thing. Think about this, too, because at some point, the NCAA does, they don't just need to cave as they're about to lose cases. They can't change their stance because laws are forcing them to, like the things that happen in California. But they need to start gearing up for that battle with the G League. Because if I'm an NCAA player or I'm a a top high school player and I'm being sold on even a blue blood program, you know, your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your UNC, whoever ends up being the coach there, like whatever it is, if I'm offered one of those opportunities or I'm offered the G League and even the money's a little bit less in the G League, I'm going to the G League because... One has a is being built on the idea of supporting the young players and giving them the proper pipelines and professional coaching and working with NBA talent and being professional basketball players exclusively. And the other one is an occasional circus that 
does not have the background of supporting the player. So if I'm picking the G League or the NCAA, I got to go one or the other. I'm going to the G League. That's That just makes sense. So they got to start figuring out a lot of things, and they got to do it real fast because the G League is coming. So 855-212-4227. Let's go to Sean in Chicago. Sean, what's going on? Oh, how's it going, Vince? It's going good. I, I, I just, I'm speechless after that uh, UCLA game. I think that uh, you know, Campbell and uh, UCLA, they all played a great game. But man, that that Jalen Suggs, he just cannot be stopped. And uh, that that Drew Tim or Time, how, however you say, he really woke up in overtime too. But I, I. I also wanted to add, too, uh, that, that I agree with you, especially watching a game like this, just remembering that these kids aren't being paid is just, I think everyone really agrees that it's pretty, it's pretty insane. But yeah. despite that, I, I cannot register my heartbreak over this UCLA game. Well, it was such a fun run for them. And that's the thing is, I mean, for them to go and push Gonzaga to the limit when they were a first four team, like, that's insane. I mean, they had no business being there by, you know, general tournament standards. And there you go, and you're fighting like crazy. And I'm already reading no things thought. that are like, maybe next year UCLA's the team. Right, yeah. And and no no one thought they'd make it. And no one thought they'd put up this much of a fight. I mean, overtime and uh, the game was by one possession with like three seconds left. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, and, and it... For them, there's no shame in losing the way that they did. I mean, it was an absolute hell of a run from then. I mean, Sean, I appreciate the call, man. Like, that was – you just got to be impressed. You got to be impressed with what they did. From everything I've read, they could bring a lot of those kids back. And so you got to figure UCLA is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. Good for them. Because that's one of the things with college basketball that people want to see, right? You want to see teams coming back. So if they get that opportunity, great.